We're back on the Fan Morning Show. Sportsnet 590 The Fan, joined by Katie Heindel, NBA writer at Dime, Sly Magazine, and Yahoo Sports Canada. Katie, did you go home from the Raptors game and start doodling JP in your heart <laughs> notebook with a little pen <laughs> after watching Yakka Pertle last night? Yeah, I've, I mean, I've been doing that. <laughs> the sparkle pens out, I'm collaging, cutting out pictures from the paper. Yeah, <laughs> Those were the good old days. I remember that little journal in your bedside, like, today, Jakob Pertle <laughs> smiled at me, and he's my big Valentine's crush. But I feel like a lot of Raptors fans felt that last night. Um, maybe we can pump the brakes, personally speaking, as well, on the trade deadline blow up that we might have had just when got Yaka Pirtle, that's it. It really looked like he stole the show last night and deservingly so added um, a bit of confidence to why the Raptors might have decided to go the direction that they did. Is that how you viewed it as well? Yeah, I mean, I think it's what we talked about the last time I was on, honestly. Like, even though the team had many needs they needed to identify, we were kind of like, they just have to pick one mm-hmm. and address it. And they did that with Pirtle. Um, You know, like you're seeing that he gives fixed size around the rim again. The team's not bleeding rebounds. He's converting rebounds into second-chance points. I think um, we knew that would happen just, like, given his size and skills and capabilities. But what has been great to see is that how quickly he's adapted into the team like obviously there's some familiarity there but like three games in seeing how instrumental he's become and you know screen and rolls he's making good reads he's picking the right play I think he's also helped infuse some much needed ball movement you know he gives the team spacing I agree with you I think airing on the side of realism is best like mm-hmm. it's just been an easy last few games you know and a switchy fast team is still going to give the Raptors some trouble but he's been a difference maker and I think it's nice if everybody went away with hearts in their eyes last night. <laughs> <so to speak. laughs> uh, no, I mean, I'm with you guys. It's uh, JP in my heart notebook as well. Um, <laughs> uh, did we sleep a little bit on the offensive um, impact he could have? I know I'm cherry picking a 15 from for 17 scoring night, but also like, you know, the difference might be, okay, he knows what his offensive abilities are and what his capabilities are offensively. And if you're going to give him 15 shots he can make, uh, he might make them. Uh, I feel like that's one of the you know things that was holding the Raptors back a little bit was finishing around the rim. And Pirtle might be the guy who can at least take uh, the few opportunities he may get and make sure that those aren't wasted possessions. Yeah, it feels definitely like less of a scramble kind of with him there. Like yeah. there's just, he knows the spots that he can get to. He knows the where he can make those shots from. And it just seems like the team is reading him well and being able to get him the ball when he's there. Um, and yeah, when I think back on the rest of the games and just like what we've talked about before too, like the wins were coming when everyone did everything right. And that's a lot to ask of any team. It certainly felt like way too much to ask of the Raptors team this season. Um, but Pirtle just generally, you know, he gives everybody a bit of a, you know, a deep breath and a breather. And when you go back and look at his numbers season over season, like he he's averaging almost close to 10 rebounds a game with the Spurs. Like we're going to see, you're going to, the Raptors are going to reap the benefits of that because he can kick it out, you know, to, to Pascal. He can kick it out like way out to Fred. Like he does just open up, I think, a lot more routes to scoring, which again was very lacking <laughs> earlier in the season. 
I'm interested in your take on how Pirtle affects Fred because it was a poor shooting night for Fred. He's Sometimes he has great ones and it's 35 points. Other nights he's three for 15 and we're, well, that's the reason why the Raptors lost. But hey, they didn't lose last night and Fred looked like a traditional point guard at a time dropping 15 mm-hmm. dimes. I mean, is it easier for him to oddly play a more traditional point guard role with Jakob Pirtle on the floor? Like how do those two influence each other uh, when playing together? I mean, it must be a relief. Like, I've been thinking a lot about Fred in the sense that it must have been such a weird and almost awful disconnect. That, And he's talked about this a little bit this season or alluded to it. But to know that you're a good team underneath all the struggling and losses, but still to not be able to compete that way. And now you're seeing when he can just kind of fall back and play a traditional route, he must be pretty happy like he must be pretty relieved that it doesn't have to be as we said earlier this kind of scramble he doesn't have to be kind of the chess master figuring out 10 steps ahead because things are blowing up in his face in real time like to be able to sit back have some trust on the floor yeah his his shooting is gonna go up and down like we kind of know that of Fred I also trust in him and what he said before and that his numbers reflect you know, the actual outcome, which is still true. Um, That, and I do want to say, like, we are at the all-star break. These guys are so tired. Mm -hmm. So I think you're seeing some of that, you know, come down. And the blue guys, like Fred VanVleet, like Pascal Siakam, um, so with uh, Jakob Pertl joining the Raptors, that adds a spot, um, takes away a spot in the starting lineup for someone like a Precious Achua, who was stepping into that role for a little bit there and looking good. Do you worry that, and, and I don't want to try to make a negative out of it, but Jakob Pertl's great, and we're very happy with the last two, three games with him, but Precious was kind of getting into a little groove there. Um, it, are you worried that maybe he gets out of that groove a bit or finds less of an opportunity to, fi- to be that impact player that we had seen um, over the little stretch there when he was getting some runway i don't think so i think if anything this section uh, of games is meant to give Pirtle runway to you know acclimatize and accelerate his role with the team and get back to it and you've already seen such a difference from his first game where he looked and he said you know ningner said that he felt a little bit nervous to last night's game um you're seeing him be able to acclimatize that much quicker uh, and i think it's good experience to in an observational way for Precious because he can kind of sit back and watch what somebody, like what more of a traditional sized center is going to bring to the team. And honestly, how he can apply some of those skills to his own role on the floor because we've seen him just kind of step into everything that's been asked of him. He struggled with that only last season, you know, just for a stretch there. And then it seems like he's come out of that quite capable. I also think we know this is a team that um, if we're going to, make any kind of a playoff presence where however prolonged it is, is going to need, you know, all the bodies that it can have. And it's also Nick Nurse's team still, and he loves to, you know, switch things up and fall back on some, you know, Frankenstein-looking lineups at times. Uh, and I think they also recognize the the talent, you know, and the value that they have in a player like Precious Achua, who has been able to step so easily into this really switchy system and, give them a little bit of everything on both ends of the floor. So I don't, I'm not worried actually. I think if anything, it might, you know, when everybody kind of knows their role and roles become a bit more set, I think that was a bit of a struggle with the team too. I think that can, you know, actually just lend a lot more confidence to guys because everything doesn't feel like a fight. So adding Pirtle without subtracting was a little strange, Uh, (laughs) but now I kind of think we see the justification, right? Like, 
he's he's played a pretty big role. At least he did yesterday, and we can see why this makes a lot of sense. So what happened procedurally here? Like, did the Raptors undergo some sort of philosophical switch? Did they tacitly admit to, hey, maybe 6'9 across the board doesn't work? Or was it always Pirtle? Were they always interested in Pirtle and they weren't interested in settling for a lesser big? What do you think happened here, at least in terms of the step, the process and the steps and getting to the point where, yeah, they got Jakob Pirtle back in the fold? Yeah, I think we knew, like we've heard Pirtle's name come up. You know, we heard his name come up uh, in the previous offseason and it's kind of been floating around the team. So definitely the interest was no surprise. Um, I think it was a signaling that the front office is happy to double down on the roster as is, um, which like to me, that's the signal at the deadline when you don't make any other moves. It's also because probably the moves that you were uh, potentially involved in or the, the deals that were being pitched to you were either like wildly um, something you were really uncomfortable with or just not what you were after. You know, I think, um, Right now, it seems like either a play-in spot or kind of clinching a lower playoff berth makes sense for the team if you want to give this roster some some run, which, again, it is what it seems to be signaling. You want to see... You want to see who you want to pay in free agency because now you've got Portal's contract to handle on top of the others entering free agency. So, you know, Messiah, Jerry preaches patience. It's a difficult thing to preach um, when you when you're running a professional sports team, especially in a league as accelerant, you know, as the NBA. Uh, but to me, it just shows that I don't know that, you know, vision six, nine or whatever you want to call it is completely out the window, but I think they realize what help, you know, an anchor can bring to the team and that chaos is fine, but it's not necessarily sustainable. So how do they balance all of those things? Um, trying to see who they want to play in free agency, balance patience um, as they like to preach, but also, they were preaching, and Masai was a part of this, preaching development and letting some of their bench players get more of a runway, letting them get an opportunity to prove or to earn some of the, the role that they want. How do they do all of that and also maybe try to go in for the play-in or for a lower-ranked uh, part of the seating? Like, it, it, Does that, to you, scream oh, a little bit of, of different pathways um, coming together, and, and what is the correct way to, to manage all that? Yeah, I think that's where I'm I'm still a little bit um, dubious or maybe hesitant is the right word just because we've seen what happens when the team tries to go all in on everything all at once. It mm-hmm. doesn't work well. I also hesitate because, you know, yes, I think you've got great young talent. And Masai said that again in his presser after the deadline, like they want to develop the young talent. They're a young team. But to develop that talent, you have to really focus on them. It can't become a backseat thing, especially because you're not really betting on landing like a huge star, probably in free agency, just given where you're sitting, um, like at the tax and probably not wanting to go over that or into the luxury tax at all. Like they've owned, the team has only done that once, I think, under Masai's tenure. So they're definitely more conservative in that sense. Um and development is really important because you don't want to see, as we talked about earlier, Precious Achua, someone like Scotty Barnes. You don't want to see these guys just kind of have, you know, their sec, their 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 third years, like going into their third years, and then whatever playoff run they get, if they do get it, just kind of go to waste. You want to you want to see them make strides and be able to do that. I also there's been a bit of a disconnect in terms of this 905 to Raptors pipeline. I think we've been so used to in the past. It doesn't seem like they've relied as much 
on that team this season uh, where they could have. So I, I've been watching the developmental piece because I think it's important um, to a team like the Raptors who's had to rely so heavily on that. So I wouldn't like to see them get so far away from that and into this, like, we're good right now as is, because you still don't really have a lot of room uh, on the bench, right? You still don't have that much relief just by going and adding Pirtle. He does add a lot, and we're seeing it, um, but you don't want to get so scattered because essentially, and I'm not trying to doomsday it because we're, we're not, that's not what we're about. We're hearts in our eyes this morning, but, <laughs> right. but you don't want to get so scattered and have the team get right back to the same place it's it's been in. Or speaking to Katie Heindel, NBA writer at Dime Slam Magazine and Yahoo Sports Canada. So speaking of development, Scotty Barnes, first player in franchise hit history to record at least 2,000 points, 500 rebounds, and 500 assists before turning 22 years old, getting that final accolade last night. Um, Scotty Barnes' season, it, it was quiet for a bit. Then we had the Scotty Barnes uh, emergence for a little bit there on the West Coast. Um, I guess just... Just open-ended. How are we feeling about where Scotty's at right now, especially going down the stretch where he might have an opportunity to be a bigger key contributor um, to get some experience here in a role that we are hoping he can take um, down the road in the Raptors' future? I'm really pleased for him. Like, And I think, you know, I think the team seems quite happy with with him and has, like, said time and time again how much they back him up. You know, um, progress and development isn't linear funny like you can just beat on that drum all day uh it still feels like an amnesia talking point but when you look at guys you know on the raptors even like somebody like pascal siakam who like grew and kind of fits and starts for a little while there granted like the fits were meteoric and that's been different than what we've seen for scotty barnes um but he he struggled i think where he was asked to put more things together and now you're seeing a lot of that click i think you know, having more the this just the generally the spacing on the floor and you know the the defined roles as we've been talking about uh, now is actually going to do wonders for him. Though again, I still think they will put him put him at point. They'll put him at the five. Like they still want to move him around and see what he can do. Um, but I think it, this will be a nice kind of rest for him to settle into the skills that he's learned because it's one thing to process all of that real time and just be asked to kind of play and contribute. Uh, and get wins, but, you know, to actually learn and retain all this knowledge and the new skills that he's gaining, he needs to sit back and have some time to let it settle in. So I think this is honestly, as a lot of people probably disagree with me, but this feels like as best of a season we could expect from Scotty Barnes. It wasn't realistic to go into this season and say, like, he's going to have a rookie year all over again because you don't want that. You do want to see some regression because regression ultimately does mean growth uh, in the NBA. Like for someone like Scotty Barnes for the, the, the trust. And I think the things that the front office is asking of him and that his teammates are asking of him too, they've been hard on him. They supported him where they needed to. So I don't know. I don't, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't like, this isn't like retrospective um, kind of forecasting, but I do feel like this was sort of the faith that I had in Scotty Barnes all season, that he was going to end up okay. If you don't mind, I'm going to steal regression means growth when uh, you know, I'm criticized for not handling Please. mundane tasks and stuff like that. <laughs> it's right. you know it's all part of the growth process for Use me. It sparingly. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I think we buried the lead a little bit here with this interview because you caught up with one Vince Carter uh, yesterday, <laughs> I believe, on Valentine's Day. Uh, pretty, I did. pretty cool. Speaking about hard eyes. Speaking of hard <laughs> eyes, uh, I, I wonder. I just kind of opened the floor to you. Like, what Vince Carter means to you? Uh, was it the first time you were able to catch up with him, and what it was like interviewing Vince? Uh, yeah, it was the first time I spoke one-on-one to Vince Carter. Uh, it was great. Mm-hmm. I think the, you know, you're a little bit nervous, not you know, to not to, to meet or to talk to your heroes, but he was lovely, um, really humble guy, really funny, you know. Um, I think my favorite part of that interview, uh, because we were talking a lot about the upcoming uh, slam dunk contest at All-Star Weekend, uh, was just talking to him about where he sits in almost the history of that move. And how weird that must have been, because we know, like, he he said he was not going to dunk for a while. Famously, when he left Toronto, I think that's that was such a sore spot for him is just being pigeonholed as this one particular type of player. But to, to hear him talk about how comfortable he's kind of grown with it and how much easier on himself he's become and being like, yeah, I, I guess I am part of history. But that's such a strange thing to still, you know, admit just like a very, very humble person. Um I liked hearing that he doesn't sit in one firm camp when it comes to the dunk contest. I was kind of relieved to hear he's not for all the gimmicks, but he's not strictly anti-prop as a as a dunk contest uh, acolyte who likes it all. That was very comforting to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think just generally, uh, you know, someone like that, it, it made me realize how lucky we are to still have him around, you know, as an analyst and, and calling games. I think the most surprising thing, when I asked him what has surprised him most in his uh, career as an analyst was how uncomfortable the tables are to sit at <laughs> when you're like like him or you're like a Reggie Miller, mm-hmm. like they're not built for them. I thought that was, he was like, you might, this might, he's like, I'm not making a joke. This is the <laughs> mo- this has been the most surprising thing. <laughs> he's like, there are times when you're just like sitting there squirming and you have to sound very comfortable uh, on air. But I, I, uh, I can't say enough about the conversation. If you want to, if you want to read it, it's at uh, Dime on Uprox. Uh, uh, listeners definitely should. I, I love that he uh, shared that anecdote, but I love that you were able to share your personal anecdotes with him as well. Like you mentioned nervousness. Were you like a little nervous because you told him that, you know, you and your husband watch the dunk contest together every Valentine's? Like clearly like that's, and he's a big part of the history of the dunk contest, obviously. So were you a little like nervous telling him the personal stuff that, uh, and how it uh, means to you. And it's kind of cool that you and her husband admittedly watch the dunk contest every <laughs> Valentine's Day. I mean, I'm pretty shameless about the dunk contest. I'm not scared to admit that I love it so much. Um, so I think with something like that, you gotta got to shoot your shot, as they say. Um, but yeah, of course, there's always the, upper, the chance that he's going to be, or anyone's going to be like, that's a lot. You're telling me a lot. <laughs> we, just, <laughs> we just started talking to each other. Um, but no, when he just responded, oh, wow. Like it wasn't actually, it wasn't in the tone I just said. It wasn't in a very nervous, like, please get away from me tone. Um, <laughs> it, was, it, was in a, it was in a pretty just like, huh. But, you know, we... I, 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 for him, like, I have to say that 2000 dunk contest is probably what made me love the dunk contest. And I'm glad we got to talk about that because I'm not sure people know, but he had a whole, um, like roster of dunks planned. He had everything planned out. And then he got to the arena a little bit late because his driver basically almost didn't show up. And then he threw everything out the window and he just did it from scratch because as he said, he wanted everyone to see 
he knew he had the athleticism, but he wanted everyone to see what his imagination could do. And for him, I think that's what's still so exciting about the dunk contest. It's probably what's so exciting about it for me. Um, so I think that was just a very nice, like, maybe you can meet your heroes hmm, moment. That's really sweet. <laughs> um, what's the level of intrigue this year for the dunk contest for you? I know you're headed to Utah. I don't know what else there is to do in Utah, but watch the dunk <laughs> contest and the NBA All-Star <laughs> weekend. But um, any uh, any sleeper picks, anyone you're excited to? You're sleeping on Utah. That's right. <laughs> I'll go to Utah. Send me their sports and I'll find something to do. But uh, Katie is going there. And what's the level of intrigue for this year's dunk contest? Test. The intrigue is always high. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else there is to do uh, in Salt Lake City. If anyone has recommendations, please get at me. Uh, I like the dunk contest. There's been some criticism, I think, of like, oh, you know, it's just kind of outliers and rising stars. But I think we'd be remiss if we didn't remember that the only year we really ever saw like superstars in the dunk contest was Michael Jordan's year. Since then it has become this platform. And this is something that I love about it so much. It's become this platform for up and comers, you know, for guys like Mac McClung, who was just playing in the G league, right? Like last week to have this platform. That's probably going to be the biggest night of their seasons uh, and to, to see what they can do with it. So there's always like a lot of hope, you know, and excitement in it, and probably that's what kills me. But um, I would say it's a bummer Shaden Sharp dropped out. We don't have the Canadian representation, Mm -hmm. but uh, I'm pretty excited to see Mac McClung. Um, You know, Trey Murphy is is a high flyer. I'm I'd like it's very difficult for me to pick favorites because I'm like I just hope everybody has a great time and <laughs> Well, I think there's a little bit more excitement around the NBA All-Star weekend than there was for the NHL All-Star weekend um which Or the Pro Bowl. Or the Pro Bowl. So I think you got the best uh, ticket as of late. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning, Katie. We can check out your article of Vince Carter on being turned into a video game, the dunk contest and his Toronto tribute on dime and enjoy your trip to Utah and hopefully you uh, find some way to find some things to do <laughs> in Salt Lake City. <laughs> Have fun. Thanks so much, guys. We'll chat Talk with you, you soon. We'll chat soon. Katie Heindel, NBA writer, Dime, Slam Magazine, and Yahoo Sports Canon. The Vince Carter article is on Dime, so go take a look at that. Yeah, I've never been to Utah, so I'm just joking on it, but I mean, I would love to go visit someplace with some beautiful aesthetics such as that, but I don't know. Seems I feel like an interesting like, spot like for the guys be, to hang out, you know? I feel like you'd be a Utah guy. Like I, yeah, I feel no. like it could it would play to your your wants and needs as a destination. I mean it's you got Zion National Park, but you have the bunch of other beautiful scenic areas. I just mean if I was an NBA player going for All Star Weekend, I'm not sure that that's like the first place I'm circling, but as a human that likes the outdoors, it is certainly a place I'd like to circle. Yeah. You're rocking the Patagonia too. You're ready for Utah I'm right ready now. To go. I am currently wearing a Utah esque outfit. So <laughs> I, I was be channeling maybe getting sent to Utah. Mm. <laughs> Late replacement. I'd be, I think I'd be last in line. Um, Utah e bug. Oh, that'd be fun. Um, we have uh, a pick. We got to just quickly shoehorn in here because the Wake and Rake starts quite soon, but we have a pick that. Let's starts at 8.30. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Jeremy from Meaford. Hey, guys, this starts at 8.30, so maybe not good for the wake and rake, but women's biathlon world championships are on, and Dennis or Denise Herman Wick to win the individual at plus 350, good value. She won the sprint last week and is on 
good ski form, Julia Simon favored is an okay play as well. So if you're listening live, go get your pick in for the Women's Biathlon World Championships because this actually hit. Jeremy from Meaford sent one in on, I think it was Friday, but it was too late. Um, so we thought, well, might as well just get it in there before the break. Uh, I found it. I, I, I have it. to. I have to. You bet it? I put it in. Yeah. All right. Well, what we know the, how long does the biathlon take? I think it's quick. It it's says 15-kilometer right? individual. Ooh, 15 kilometers? 15K biathlon is not happening in a half hour. You don't think? Nah. We're going to find out how long it takes. So we're going <laughs> to have the brush answer. brush up on our uh, biathlon knowledge, but I don't oh, think so. Oh, boy. Um, all right, we do have the Toronto Maple Leafs hosting the Chicago Blackhawks at 7 p.m. tonight for your Wake and Rake submissions. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Max Domi. Uh, you mentioned three or four others. That might be involved. Jake McCabe. Jake McCabe, right. I keep forgetting about him. Imagine he might, he getting, might be the one. Imagine getting Domi and McCabe on the Leafs. That would be... Wouldn't that be wild, I mean, eh? the, the headlines would be pretty easy on that Oh, one. the writers would just love that. I think... McCabe and Domi There might be a little Leafs. merit to Domi. I think you're right about there that. There might be a little merit to Domi. Because you need the fire. He's going to have the fire. There's He's definitely going to be someone who's motivated to be wearing the blue and white fill a role that his father used to fill. Not mm-hmm. to say that he should be fighting every heavyweight in the league, but at least bringing that physicality that this team needs. Yeah. $3 million salary currently. Can you cut that in half? I don't know. I think there's something It's not the there. worst idea. He's it was Merrick's be- idea, though, so I'm, I'm clearly a decent one. Well oh, thought out one. say the opposite of no, that. No, no, of course not. Um, all right. Wake and rake on the other side of the break. Leafs and Blackhawks going head-to-head. A lot on the line. We'll go through your anchor picks and we'll tee all that up on the other side of the break. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. Okay. Wednesday, wake and rake. But before we get into that, today's a big day in golf because uh, full swing debuts today, which has been piquing my interest for a very, very long time. Tiger Woods is also going to make his return at the Genesis Invitational this weekend where he is, I think, his foundation hosts or help hosts. Yep. It's a big golf week. And you see who he's paired with, Rory and Justin Thomas. Mm-hmm. Hell yes. Um, but this this Netflix doc is going to be... Whew, it came out this morning, so hopefully you stayed up late to watch it. No, <laughs> I'm in the... Uh, the like I, I'm feeling a bit of a conundrum or I'm facing a conundrum here because I'm one of the people who lost Netflix capability. What? Oh, because you were stealing passwords. it? Not sh- I'm not stealing it. Listen, there's too many streaming services. Am I supp- How many am I people had am your I password? required am I required to have 10 subscriptions that I'm paying monthly How many in order people to had watch everything I need to it wasn't mine How many people had that password Uh not many Over 4 4 people Well I've been connected to mm. two different Netflix accounts in you my career You little snake No I'm not Cuz I pay for one and I share that mm-hmm. and then one comes back my way and we're, you know, like helping each other out. It's too much to ask for for everyone to be 
paying for this many streaming services on top of this and on top of that. It's too much. So I can't even lend you my password to watch no, this, this because is, we can't do this then anymore. I'll get kicked out. But everyone's out. boycotting Netflix and I kind of... So you know, how are you going to watch Full Swing? I don't know. I got to figure that out. I feel like we should have like a Sportsnet thing floating around, a little screener. So we can do our work. We'd all have to be in the same place then because of the password stealing. Well, maybe there's, I don't know. This anyway, is my this is my call, basically. I need to watch this. I have to figure out how to watch it. Help maybe Justin I'm out. buying my own Netflix for the first time because we're not allowed to, you know, share within a family. Can't share within a family. So this is the same uh, production company that did the Formula One Drive to Survive, which is now in its fifth season. And I think it kind of fell off a little bit, but when it was at its height, it was at its absolute height. I think so many fans were coming in, including myself, to watch F1 because of what this Netflix doc did. I really think and hope that this golf insight with the same type of um, background will do just that for golf. And what a time oh, <laughs> to be covering storm. it. you got storm. PGA, Live Golf, all the turbulent times over the last 12 months were documented. It was literally perfect timing. And it's perfect timing now because, as you mentioned... Tiger coming back this weekend. Liv starting again, I believe, the following weekend, their first event, uh, which I think is an expanded season. I haven't really checked all of that out, but I assume that they're going to be uh, playing more tournaments this year on that side of the things, or that side of things. And then you have the Masters coming up, and there will be Liv players there, and there's going to be all the drama in the world. And, of course, last year's drama all documented on this new series. So I got to find a way to watch it. It's... uh, it's a shame that uh, it's happened when it's happened. Don't worry, the text line has now given you some sneaky ways. Okay. So I can tell you those off the air. Okay, we'll figure that out. Um, don't worry, there's a way for you to watch this illegally. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I should be uh, well, <laughs> advertising that. That's basically that, what but, you're uh, getting to. You won't I'm, pay for Netflix. I'm definitely so. buying a Netflix subscription. Yes, you are. Great. Um, so, yeah, and then the surprise twist, obviously, was Rory joining the show later in the year, um, deciding to be a part of the cast, and then, obviously, with everything that's gone through with them. Anyway, it's going to be great. The fact that he's also paired with Tiger making his return, we'll tee that up with the Wake and Rake maybe Thursday or Friday. Yeah, I think we can because they're off in the afternoon. I think it's a late start. I believe the tournament is in California because it's near actually where Tiger two years ago was in his accident. So, uh, you know, kind of storylines converging on that front. But uh, yeah, maybe we can look into uh, some picks for the Genesis I think Tiger is about like plus 150 just to make the cut. I don't Mm -hmm. know if I'm counting on that, but of course a lot of money will be poured in on that market because people love them some Tiger Woods. I guess that's part of the question here. It's like Tiger Woods playing in this event this weekend doesn't mean anything to you. 1,000%. Does it? I think... Are you going to be watching golf this weekend? Yes. 100%? Yeah. Okay. Tiger just hasn't played in how long? Uh, hasn't played since the 150th Open Championship Which was this summer in July, and he didn't do well. Right, no, missed the cut. So I think we we were excited to watch him at the Open because the storyline was getting to be okay. Tigers, is he back? Is he not back? We were watching. It was like watching his leg. Does this this steel leg? Like we were really dialed in on Tiger. He's had some time since then where he hasn't really been followed around with a camera. I hope he's been prepping that leg up. He does say he's still like. Affected by he it. He says he's still feeling rusty. But anytime but the Tiger that's the, hits... that's the thing with me is I don't know what Tiger we're getting at because there's some obligation when you help host this tournament. For sure. This is one of his tournaments. But I don't think there's going to be a time in the near future until Tiger retires that I don't get 
fired up to watch Tiger. Really? I'm kind of, uh, uh, it'll be. Because it feels like the, maybe the last couple opportunities, and that's why. I feel a little like, it feels like kind of hopeless sometimes. Or like starting the round, and it's like, man, I'm so, and you get really disappointed when Tiger doesn't play well. I kind of want to just like jump on board midway. I want Tiger to be like three under through six, and then I jump on board, and then we have something good to watch. I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to watch him struggle. That's kind of where so I'm. So you want to bandwag when he's I'm, uh, on when it comes Sunday to Tiger Woods, in the red shirt. No, uh, if okay. if he starts off strong, Fake I, fan I, of I don't, I'm, I'm fair weather with Tiger. I'm 100 percent fair weather with Tiger because I don't necessarily enjoy watching him play poorly. I get that, but these are some of your last opportunities to watch Tiger in general. I guess. No, either way. There are. And, and it it's is, a good question. Yes. Like, I, I feel like people are going to have varying degrees of interest as well because have, is this isn't peak Tiger, and we're never going to see peak Tiger I will again. Say like, but the story is maybe Tiger finds a way. Yeah, finds but that, way. We're, we're like clinging to hope of that. But like, I don't feel like that's reality anymore, and that's kind of where I'm at. Like two years ago, if you said he's playing, I'm there. Start. Let's go. I want to watch at 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. when he's off with McElroy and Justin Thomas. I am there. I'm not as excited because I'm less optimistic that he can play well. I guess I that's that. what it is. I get that. Well, nonetheless, that'll be this weekend. Um, he'll be, I'm looking at trying to find his odds to win. <laughs> I guess scroll real far down the list. So probably not putting any money on that, but you never know. Um, okay. So that's the big week in golf. Take a look at full 110 swing. 110 to one. Okay. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, hey, that's, just five that's bucks. fair. It's fair. If he's going to win one, this would be a fun one to win. It would be. Um, okay, so Leafs Blackhawks tonight as we teed up. You wanted to talk about the one Kyle in this storyline. Yeah, I mean, we kind of like touched on Kyle Davidson throughout the show. Jeff Merrick was talking about how it's kind of like a tough spot, right? Patrick Trading Patrick Kane, like that's a bit of a burden. Mm-hmm. I kind of think it's not because you have the excuse. Like to you, keep him, you mean you? Everyone's kind of on board with dealing him. It feels like like he's. I don't think anyone's going to hold it against him if they don't sign him to another contract. Clearly, they don't really want to do that. I guess they could keep him around for cheap, and he can continue to be a Blackhawk for a long time. But really, what would bail him out if Patrick Kane just said, "Hey, I want to go to this team. Do whatever you can," because if he does that, Kyle Davidson, the return doesn't really matter all that much. Like, I don't think anyone's going to judge Davidson on the success or failure or his acumen as a general manager if he doesn't hit a home run with the return on Patrick Kane. Because I don't think the return is going to be really all that impressive. I don't think it should be expected to be all that impressive. But I think it's made more easier if Patrick Kane comes out and says, this is where I want to go. Can you help me out? And then everyone who's a Chicago Blackhawk fan will be like, I'm glad that you did right by this player. He's a legend. And You're we right. want him to be happy. I feel like it kind of takes the pressure off a little bit the more and more Patrick Kane talks, and he's starting to talk. He's starting to speak. He's starting to make his opinion known. And if he submits his opinion, I think it makes it easier on every team involved, especially the Chicago Blackhawks. What's the equivalent for a Maple Leaf in this position doing that at the end of their career? Is it John Tavares? No, because he spent half his career somewhere else. Well, we kind of just talked to him a little with Matt Sundin. But no, I meant like right now, like if at the end of in two, three years, X player asked Dubis to get him somewhere and well, he wants to trade somewhere. I don't think there's a good example now. Can I have your laptop charger? <laughs> my laptop's at 1% okay. and I'm going to need it for the way. Uh, I, I will definitely give you my laptop charger. I was like, what are you looking <laughs> I at? I need your charger right now, Justin. I will now, give Justin. you my charger. Um, <laughs> Thank you. 
the, I don't think there is a comp now because they're all near the end. And I don't mm -hmm. think JT is going to be looking for that spot to win at the end of his career because I think JT by the end will be going year by year and he'll be going on a cheaper rate with the Maple Leafs and trying to win with the Maple Leafs for as long as they'll continue to have him. I don't expect John Tavares to sign another six-year deal worth $60 million, and by the end, you're like, wow, we really got to oh, find God, a spot to not. get him out of here. I think John Tavares is going to go from 11 to uh, a fraction of 11, and he's going to be the captain for a couple more seasons after his contract expires, and he's going to be trying to win on a cheaper deal on the backs of the likes of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Would Morgan Riley be the answer to this Maybe question? Maybe Morgan Riley's the answer to the question. That's that's a good point. Maybe. But where do you expect the Leafs to be in eight years? I expect them to be... I think with a, a cup would be ideal, would I, it not? <laughs> I, I, whether there's a cup or not, I think if you have Austin Matthews on a maximum term contract extension, mm -hmm. that's year eight. So maybe in... Or maybe in nine years, it could be him. at the end of his contract, he's looking for somewhere else to go. He wants to go to Arizona. Arizona's good by then. They've got a real rink. They've got they've used all these trade chips from 2023 to actually build a good team, and he heads here. And that's kind of a weird. <laughs> well, yeah, that, possibly <laughs> that's a weird reality with the the Leafs. Is kind of we're we're kind of we're not halfway through. But we're reaching like halfway through the primes mm. of these oh, players, that's right? A sad sentence. So we've got entry level and bridge here Ugh. for Matthews and Marner. We're reaching the end of that. Now it's full value on a long term contract. And once you get through that, that's that's sixteen years, right? Here's so this back half, we're at back nine and prime, full earnings, full value, full earning potential. That's where we're at here soon with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Here's a great question in the text line. If Kane lands on the Leafs, if, does Willie give up his number or does Kane choose a new number? That's from Muzzin in Etobicoke. I love when Muzzin texts in. Willie can't give up his number. But it's Patrick Kane. Doesn't matter. Is there a number Willie, eight? Willie's reached a status where you shouldn't have to give up your number. Also, all the William Nylander jerseys. Oh, Jake Muzzin he, is he, number eight. Remember? Oh, yeah. He also, oh, that could be William Nylander also volunteered to pay for anyone changing his number from 29 to, when he went to 88, mm -hmm. what was that, like three, four years ago? Something like that. He, I don't know if he actually did that. I feel like that was a thing though, where it was like, anyone who wants credit for doing this, like we'll help you out going from 29 to 88. It's a bit of a burden changing your number to do it again would maybe be a problem. So number, I think, I think Kane's probably got to fit in. So number eight's available if Jake Mazin doesn't play anymore Not it's kind of tough either. to take that unless number. muzzin's going to chicago as part of the deal number 89 nick robertson can't really take that one right now either you could probably have that one 87 you're not gonna take 87 no. if you're patrick Kane. can't touch 87 86 terrible number you couldn't touch 97 either though killer kirill kaprizov did you're screwed <laughs> you can't wear 87 right like that's the one number that's no you can't ever you imagine Patrick Kane shows up number number eighty-seven. Not even, not even Patrick Kane, like anyone Anybody. coming into the league. Patrick Kane will figure out the number. Not a big deal. I don't know. At it least could for be me. a big deal. Um, all right, I want to run through some of these picks. Sure. Well, let's talk about the game tonight. Um, I've already put in a parlay. Also, thanks for the charger because I was at one percent and it was that would know, have been a disaster. You know when your laptop starts getting really, really hot? It was yeah. getting really hot, and I've turned the brightness down to. Basically, I can't see a thing. I've closed every program. <laughs> That's why you couldn't find the tiger. Every odds? program on my laptop, and you could cook an egg on it. Okay. Um, 
here's a fun parlay for you. Matthews to score and Kane to score. Could see it. Would love it. The two of them are big fans of each other. Obviously, Kane's got a lot to prove tonight. Put the two of them in a little parlay. I like it a lot. You want to add hometown kid Max Domi? There's another little boost. I have. We're counting on Chicago to score two goals. I know it's a it's far fetched. It's but asking a lot. You've got Kane to score. Patrick Kane has nine goals in 49 games this year. By the way. Well, Just tonight's the night he scores. Like if he's scoring, it's tonight. Keep that in mind. Matthews to score, Kane to score. That's a fun parlay. It's a plus 450 or 475 where I'm seeing it. But if you want to add Max Domi in, how many goals does Max Domi have? More than Patrick Kane? He might. I would hazard that he has slightly more. The answer is 12. on the tip of my tongue, 14. Oh, that was pretty good. So there you go. Max Domi might be the I think Max Domi's my revenge pick, even though there's no revenge angle. It's the dad come home to Toronto. He's a guy that likes to get, you know, he likes to puff his chest out a bit. Yeah. He may be auditioning. Tonight's a night for Max Domi props. Okay. Okay. So um, I've already put those little parlays in, just five bucks, you know, just for fun. But I'm going to go over in the game tonight. I was going to do Maple Leafs over, just them. You know who's in that? Who's in that? Peter Mrazek. Why, why, why are you going over? Why are you going over in the game over? The Maple over Leafs, the Leafs might score eight goals themselves. But Fine. Then, do you want me to do Maple Leafs team total over? Because I'm I'm kind of I on don't the fence I don't want to I don't want to change your pick. But you said Maple Leafs over. Yeah. Your rationale is the Leafs are going to score eight goals. <laughs> We're skeptical that anyone on the Blackhawks the can is, score. The problem is I'm seeing it right now at four. If I can tease it down to three and a half, and you'll accept that, then I'll do Maple Leafs team over. I saw it at three and a half. Okay, well then I'll do that. I'll gonna, give you a number here. Okay, I'm going to do Maple Leafs over three and a half goals, okay? Okay. See, I'm seeing it at minus 205, Justin. I'm not accepting that for our parlay. It's not fair. So I'm going to do the entire game over. All right. Because I'm not going to cheap out and give you a no, you're minus right. you're 200 right. pick. You're right, you're right. The entire game over six and a half. It's bold, but... If the Maple Leafs can put a couple in and Kane gets one and Max Domi gets one, there's your over. Okay, yeah. So over six and a half in the Blackhawks-Maple Leafs game is my submission for the Wake and Rake. Where are you going with I got yours? bailed out last night by Ryan Graves of the New Jersey Devils on a money left. line pick. I'm going to go to the three-way money line again. This time I'm choosing the Buffalo Sabres over the Anaheim Ducks on the West Coast. The Sabres have not played well recently. They're going through a little skid. But I think that's probably a good thing in this situation. The get-right game is Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Buffalo needs to win. They need to play better. They need to start stringing some wins together. Big time. It starts with Anaheim, minus 130, three-way money line, Buffalo Sabres over the Anaheim Ducks. Okay, locking that one in there. Um, I like the Rangers on the road against the Canucks. The Rangers have just been so good since Tarasenko. Just as a, a side note, you got the Oilers facing off against the Red Wings at home. I like that one for if you're doing just like some parlay picks. The Avs? Dogs against the Wild. Played last night. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the reason why. It's a fun one. Wait, didn't the Minnesota Wild play last night too? They might have, but it's an interesting... Uh, that You don't usually see the Colorado Avalanche's dogs, but they haven't had their Stanley Cup level season, but just uh, something to chew on. Hmm. No, the, the Wild did play on Monday, so okay. I guess that's the reason that's why. That's the reason why. Okay, let's go through some of our picks here. Let's start with Eric and Burlington. Good morning. My pick for tonight is the Rangers to win in regulation. There you go. Uh, they've won five in a row, and the Canucks just keep lo- or just lost two to the Red Wings. This game will probably go over as well. Uh, I got Neil from Newfoundland here. Good morning. 
the one that I love today. Did we already say this on the air? Or we did, we talked no, about no, it in we, the break. We bet this during the break. We bra- did this during the break. Just making sure I'm not repeating myself. ATP Rotterdam, a pick he loves. Hallis plus one and a half games over Van Zanschulp. Van Zanschulp hasn't played in a month and hasn't beaten a top 60 player in five months. Hallis has been racing up the rankings this past year, beating some of the top players and giving one Novak Djokovic all he could handle last month. Hallis plus one and a half minus 120. That's the pick in the tennis world from Neil. I love that. Um, Steve from Sutton, my guy. Matthews is back. He's coming in hot. I'm going Matthews over shots. I like the logic. Uh, good morning. For today's anchor pick, I'm going with Randall, Hall of Famer, over 10.5 rebounds, Hall of Fame pick, plus 108. Plus money. He's been struggling lately, but anytime you get his rebounds at a plus number, you do exactly. it. That's Ron from Markham, and Juliana's on over William Nylander, over 3.5 shots, minus 120. And then there's all parlay pixie. Oh, there you go. And Erling Holland to score anytime he's the leading goal scorer in the Premier League, plus 130 today. Anything, anytime you get Holland, speaking of plus money, Holland plus money to score, generally a decent look. And final one here. Good morning. It's Corey from Port Hope. My wake and rate pick. I like Jokic over 38 and a half points and rebounds tonight versus Dallas. I think it'll be a good battle with Jokic and Doncic. And I like Jokic to have a big night, big night for the itches. Uh, by the way, that's a big one in the Premier League. Man City. Ooh. Arsenal. Top two teams, I believe, in the Premier League going at it today. Holland to score plus money. Reason to watch that game. Not that you needed it, but uh, that's a big one over there in the Premier okay. League. Okay, I like that. Maybe a little art, alt parlay pick, or you could put in a real parlay. There you go. Um, okay, so we got a couple options. We've got Rangers in regulation, Matthews over shots, um, some tennis, our Hall of Famer, Nylander over shots, and um, Jokic. I think maybe not from the Leafs, just because we're already going Leafs uh, over in the game tonight. Okay. Um, we could do a, um, a hockey parlay with the Rangers. I did like them to win in regulation against the um, Canucks as well. See what the Canucks are doing at practice, by the way. They're doing no. some weird stuff where they're on their, they're like in a push-up position doing lengths of the ice. What? Have you ever done that when you're Sorry, training? Explain you're, it better. They're basically in a push-up position. So hands and toes. I understand push-up. I don't do them, but I know what they look like. And they are shuffling down the ice. Is it a punishment? I, I feel like, I don't know if it was a training thing from Rick Tockett. I don't know if Wait, it was what's the logic a punishment behind thing. This? It was just like, that's, they were all on the ice doing that. The whole team? The whole team. Like army crawling kind of down the army ice? Army crawling, yes. That's awful. Kind of weird, eh? Kind of weird. I would, I hate that. <laughs> oh my God, that's like real punishment. I guess so. Maybe, maybe he thinks this team is in condition. Did he talk about it? I mean, they, it? they have talked about how... Um, you know, they didn't like the training camp with Bruce Boudreau. Maybe they didn't think they were conditioned the way they need oh to be. Oh, my God, that's hard. That's tough to be doing. That's a tough look doing that in the middle of the season. It's a tough look to do that when you're an NHL team. I did that when I played for the Sutton Rangers in Tyke Select at the Sutton <laughs> Arena in Georgina. I remember doing that for fun. And then you'd roll around and you'd draw on the ice with Sharpies. I don't think there were Sharpies at Vancouver Canucks. That's practice. outrageous. I will say the Rangers, five straight wins. Let's do the Rangers. They're on a bit of a heater right now, 7-2-1 okay. in their last 10. We haven't picked Eric and Burlington in a while either, so I'm doing Rangers in regulation, putting right, it in the parlay. So we got Sabres in regulation, Rangers in regulation. Big New York regulation. Yeah. <laughs> night. It's all for New York tonight. Sabres regulation, Rangers regulation, over in the Leafs-Blackhawks game, which is set at 6.5. Altogether, your parlay is plus 
plus 561. Let's make it consecutive wake we and rakes We could go back hit. to back here. A nice five of six in total picks this week to start and one in the bag. Let's let's try and make it a second one. And a little buzzer beater action. You know, a win's a win. A win's a win. I'm not complaining. Um, okay, so Maple Leafs tonight, 7 p.m. Your Raptors are off until next Thursday. Yeah. So you get to just... A lot of time for reflection. <sighs> Breathe to dream in. and to scribble notes about Jakob Pertle yes. in your journals. You can get your little diary out, your gel pens, little heart, JP. We'll have to remember to Stickers. create Pertle Valentine's next Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah, you're right. A whole year. Do you think he'll too, be on the team too next late year? To, oh, yeah. 100%. You think? After I mean, that's that, one of the things. After last like, night's game, he's but like locked he, in. You eh? can tell he kind of wants to be kind a of. raptor. You should see how it's so so sweet, Pascal and it's him. It's nice. Besties. It is nice. And you know what? That team needs some good vibes. So go off. Off-season off. edition, but this year. I like that. Go off and enjoy the sun. Get some relaxation, Raptors. And Pascal, go to Utah and get a couple buckets for us. And that's a win-win for everyone. Yeah. All right. We'll be back tomorrow on Baby Friday to break down the Maple Leafs and the Chicago Blackhawks. Thanks for listening today. Everybody have a great day.